Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to the final edition of us uh, of Coast View here in 2021. It's amazing. Where did this year go? As we continue to celebrate so many amazing people who have uh, made Coastal Mississippi such an amazing place to live, work, and play. You know, I, I mentioned the other day that it sound it felt like we were just saying where did 2020 go, and now we're already saying where did 2021 go. I mean, this year sped by in my book. I don't know about you, but it certainly did with me. I'm gonna. I'm. We have a great show today. We're going to be joined by Anita Arguelles. We're going to talk about a wide range of of topics. Uh, not the least of which is uh, a very, very special oyster that they are aquaculturing called the French Hermit uh, oyster. And uh, we'll, we'll be to our, uh, Anita here shortly. I want to share a couple of things that popped up on Facebook for me as we end the new year. I've been, you know, obviously been talking a lot about, you know, during this holiday season, this is a great time to reach out to someone and tell them you care about them. Um, I like what uh, what what Benjamin Franklin and others uh, have uh, challenged us to do to to keep that spirit that we have during Christmas year round. What a, what a great challenge that is to think in those terms. I've quoted or at least shared my, uh, what my friend Stacy Waldrop has shared on Facebook so many so many times over the past year. She's just such a positive person, such a good person. She posted this the other day from Mindful Christianity, and here's what it said: Health does not always come from medicine. Most of the time, it comes from peace of mind, peace in the heart, peace of soul. It comes from laughter and love. You know, life can be simple. We all just kind of read that and committed to that and thought about it. Peace in the heart, peace in the soul. It comes from laughter and love. That is definitely for sure daily inspiration. Cynthia Dobbs posted this. Everyone needs a friend who will call and say, get dressed. We're going on an adventure. That was from I Heart Intelligence. Uh, that's a, some website, or I love in, uh, intelligence. Uh, my friend Marvin Curry posted this, and I'm a big Ralph Waldo Emerson fan, so obviously was immediately drawn to this, but he said this, and I've shared this before maybe a year or so ago. The purpose of life is not to be happy. It's to be useful, to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you have lived and lived well. You know, I think about that uh, a lot. I think when you know that you've made a difference and that you've lived well and that you've been compassionate, that just being in that state of mind will make you happy. So while he said the purpose of life is not to be happy, I, I don't disagree with that. It's to, it's to leave your mark and uh, to leave a legacy and to help others along the way. I think that's really important. My friend Paul Harris shared this one, and he said, seems appropriate during the holidays, and it simply says this. A lot of people just need someone to be kind to them today. You know, someone needs to be kind to them today. Uh, my wife, Ann, told me the other day that she was uh, eating somewhere, and um, she gave the, uh, or maybe actually, you know what? It wasn't my wife. It was my, my daughter, Tori. She, she left a really large tip because she noticed that some, some patrons at this particular place had not been kind to the waitress. And uh, it, it just 
and we, you could tell she felt terrible. And so anyway, my daughter Tori left her a big, big tip, and she said the waitress literally cried when she did it. You know, the little things in life, you know, just notice what people need around you. And think about what people have been going through. You never know. You never know what they're going to be going through. All of this is just good food for thought as we close out this year and get ready to face 2022 with gusto. Uh, I know that you're going to you're you're going to do that. Great time to to reflect. And uh, hey, without any further ado, I want to pull my friend, the co my my producer, not co-producer, the producer of Coast View and Super Talk Outdoors, uh, Cal, into the conversation and just say first of all, Kyle, thank you for a great year, my friend. You bet. It's been a wonderful ride so far. Well, so far, we're at the last day of 2021 and looking for another 2022 uh, coming around the corner. Um, you know, two years ago, did we think we'd still be here doing this? It's the way we are, and technology has allowed us to uh, keep moving on without any real hiccups along the way, minus a few power outages, but, you know, yeah. it's all good. Yeah. Hey, no, I think we – Kyle, man, I, I, I just tell people about you all the time that we can – I can literally set my clock to you. You know, I never worry about you being here with me, helping solve whatever technical issues we might face, making sure this show is produced so that people can enjoy it. I mean, you've been Johnny on the spot, and that's with all these other things you got going on in your life. Not the least of which, you just started coming down with a cold today. And I'm sorry you're having to deal with that. <laughs> Go ahead. I blame my family. <laughs> For the longest time, I was always the one that never got sick. I'd always, you know... For one way or the other, I always found a way to not get it. And this time, I finally, that cold finally caught up with me. You know, as I mentioned to you out the air, Ann and I, you know, we spend a lot of time with our grandkids. And grandkids, when they get around other kids, are still building up their immunity. So they get sick a lot. And so, uh, you know, we've been through a few rounds. And usually is the one who gets it, you know. I might get it once or once a year, maybe. But uh, we've both been lucky lately. Thank God we've both been lucky because we've had to deal with some fevers and some runny noses and all the things you have to deal with with kids. But anyway, hey, you know what, buddy? Looking back on this year, there has been we. It's, it's amazing, and I know you see this. And Cammy's done a great job of working with you and me to pull this all together. But it seems like every time we turn over a stone for for a guest. Three other guests come out from underneath that. The number of amazing people that we have access to on this show has just been incredible, hasn't it? Yeah, it really has. And it's, you know, success breeds success. And that's kind of where most of all of our guests come from. You know, it's just a long line of succession of uh, building, a, you know, founding building blocks, I guess, if you will. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's amazing how every time we turn the corner, there's always another inspirational conversation to have another area of education that we haven't come across yet that we we find ourselves in the middle of and we travel down that road and as far as it takes us and then it takes us to another road it never ending it's, 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 and I feel that way about Coastview and then our new show, uh, Super Talk Outdoors. And I can't help but think about the conversation we had with Ramsey Russell, the duck hunter who's been in six continents. And he was, you know, that big explosion when he was 15 years old that scarred his face. He almost lost his arm and his leg. And he says that when he's in a deer, when he's in a duck blind with someone today, he says that everyone has scars. His happened to be visible for other people to see. 
but but his scars create an opportunity for him to be able to have a conversation with people who may be having scars on the inside and the conversations and what they are and how he helps people as a result of what he's been through yeah, again i didn't expect to have that conversation and we have conversations like that all the time where and during the conversation we just turn a corner and suddenly we're on to something that is just so powerful and so inspiring and we see that a lot. There's two or three of those moments in, in every every week that we had this converse, these conversations. And I would say in that regard, I get as much from these conversations as, as you know, our guests or maybe the listeners do. Yeah, I, I pretty much feel the same way, too. Uh, you know, back when this first started two years ago, I never really paid much attention to most of the subjects that we cover. And it's just not – it was just never anything that I was super interested in or wanted to – pull myself into and be a part of it was just you know part of life that eh, that's not really my side but now i'm more involved in it i pay more attention to things on the news and my wife kind of looks at me funny when i make comments and oh yeah we talked about this three weeks ago and she's like oh well, I'll eat on. <laughs> so. we get it. you know I, I consider myself and i know you do too <clears throat> just a facilitator of conversations where we can learn from our guests and 2021, I felt great about 2020. I think 2021 was even better. And I really look forward to 2022. And I really appreciate what you've done to help make this show the best it can be. I, I really can't thank you enough, my friend. You bet. Like I said, I've enjoyed every bit of it and look forward to uh, what's ahead, really. Well, thank you, buddy. So let's let's shift gears now and <clears throat> excuse me, bring my friend Anita Arguelles into the conversation. You know, the last time that you and I visited, you had your, your husband, Mike, with you, and we had a terrific conversation about the evolution of your business, uh, the, uh, the French Hermit Oyster uh, Company. And uh, it's been an amazing evolution, though. And I had the opportunity, actually, after that show to taste some of those oysters. And I have to tell you, I've never tasted an oyster that good. And you keep hearing that, don't you, Anita? I do. I'm so proud of Mississippi's oysters and how they taste and how they look and the community's responses to them. It's been great. So Mike was supposed to join us. What in the world is he up to this morning? So, you know, we have the two businesses. We have our oyster business, which keeps us very busy. In fact, he, he was at the farm yesterday and he'll go back out to the farm tomorrow. But we have uh, Arguelles Marine Contracting and uh, his customers want him on site building piers, bulkheads and boat houses too. So he would, he said, asked me last night, he said, tell Ricky, I'm sorry, I apologize. <laughs> but <clears throat> be no on site for a customer. It's no problem. You're a great spokesman for your joint efforts and your businesses. When we come back, I want to I want to get the latest on what's happening with your oyster business for the Facebook and YouTube audience. You can see behind her some of those cages. We'll explain to you why this is a unique approach. It's really cool. And uh, I actually want to shift gears at some point in the conversation. No rush to get there. But you also work for USM, and I want to talk a little bit about the work you're doing there as well. So when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Anita Arguelles. View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I 10 exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. 
This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We have Anita Arguelles with us today. And, uh, you know, Anita, when I think about you and Mike, you, you are hitting on a bunch of cylinders simultaneously. <laughs> You've got a couple of different businesses. You're associated with USM. Uh, but there's no rest for the weary in your world, is there? No. We're, so we stay really busy. So tell me, let's start Let's start with this so people can sort of get where you guys are coming from. Um what tell us what you do at, at Southern Miss? So I'm the content and brand manager for the Center for Ocean Enterprise, Roger F. Wicker Center for Ocean Enterprise. So my, and, uh, my my job is to help get the messages out about what we're doing related to the blue economy. And as you can imagine, the blue economy comes up on this show all the time. Whether I'm talking with uh, the mayor of the city of Gulfport. Uh, Billy Hughes, or with Ashley Edwards at the Gulf Coast Business Council, or any number of others. Mark Henderson, of course, and his work that he's done with with one of the major companies that's relocating to to the uh, essential blue economy of coastal Mississippi. But it's it's an exciting future. We, talk, I tell you what, tell people who you know probably have heard that term before, blue economy. Tell them what that what that means. Yeah, that, um, so think about the water and, and specifically our coastal water, our salt, salt water, and any of the economies that revolve around salt water. So if you took away all the salt water, that business would not be able to operate. So that's a pretty good definition of the blue economy and how it relates. And, and along the Gulf Coast, you know, we have shipbuilding, we have aquaculture, we have um uncrewed systems. We have a lot of blue economy here. And in addition to tourism. Yeah. Okay. So you also had the Thad Cocker and Marine Aquaculture Research Center. That's right. Tell me why that's critical. So um, Thad Cocker Marine Aquaculture Center at USM works with, um, they do research, obviously, have a lot of great aquaculture research on oyster, oyster cultivation, shrimp, uh, fin fish, but one of the things that is key is that they work with organizations, companies that want to raise fin fish or oysters for consumption. And so in the United States, we import the majority of our seafood. And that puts us at, a, a, you know, that, that deals with food security. We need to be producing our own seafood here. And so Thad Cochran Marine Aqu Aquaculture Center is one of the exemplary centers in the United States, actually in North America, that can help farmers come in and raise finfish. For example, they're working right now to help an organization, Mana Fish Farms, on the north uh, northeast coast um, install submerged fish fin fish pens uh, 20 miles off the coast of Pensacola, We're, they're still in the permitting process for this, to raise fin fish out in the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, using, uh, I've read it. I've read it. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Make your last uh, point. Uh, using aquaculture. So it's so yeah. we're fish farming in the Gulf of Mexico, which we have not done in the Gulf of Mexico before. Yeah, I've been reading more and more about that, and there's some really exciting things been that have been written about that, and hopefully we can continue to move forward with that. Um, hey, you know, it's interesting. You look back at Mike's <clears throat> Mike's career. He was an industrial engineer in a manufacturing facility in Memphis out of school. 
you ultimately became, I think, director of product development at Triton Industries in, in Long Beach. Um, so if you, if you think about and Triton, man, what a success story that was. That, that was an amazing company to be a part of, wasn't it? It was. It absolutely was. I was so fortunate. I worked for um, uh, uh, Thomas and Betts up in Memphis as a product manager for emergency lighting. And Mike and I wanted to come home to the coast. I'm from Memphis, but he loves the coast. He's from the coast. And uh, I joined the Triton team and was the director of new product development for them for years. Mm -hmm. Wow. And of course, I've had Frank Willem on the show before to talk about that incredible story. But what a story it was. And ultimately, they sold out and moved on and, um, you know, have enjoyed, you know, kind of enjoyed life. But, you know, that 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 time doing that really helped you in terms of just managing projects and understanding how to implement things. And a lot of those skill sets you learned there have really been useful to you in your in your life these days, hasn't it? It has, absolutely. Not only that, and the team that Triton still exists here in Long Beach. Um, they're in the Long Beach Industrial Park, and so I still maintain some social media connections with them. I still remember their team, and I still know some of those folks that are still there. And it's st they're still churning out great uh, automated teller machines, ATMs, uh, for the market, and I'm so proud of them. Yeah, that's that's so cool. What what a what an incredible legacy that is. Um, so Mike, you know, grew up in Biloxi, and he tongued for oysters early in his life, and then of course he he got an engineering degree along the way, and then, you know, he has the opportunity to come back. It was sort of only fitting that he would eventually be in the oyster aquaculture business, and we'll come back to that in just a second. But first, he got into the business of building piers and bulkheads. In fact, he built piers and bulkheads for me, and I must must point out, he does a really good job at it. And of course, the hurricanes and all the, the I don't know, the challenges we've had over the last few years have kept him really busy, hasn't it? It has. He stays busy. He has a great reputation. Word of mouth for that business just keeps us going. It's very exciting and he still loves it. So when he came down here, he'd never built a pier or bulkhead or boathouse. And um, we were talking about what the future is and what he wanted to do. And he said, I think I want to try that. And so we set it up and he, he tried it with basically no equipment. He uh, used a man driver. I don't know if you know what a man driver is, yeah. but yeah. Uh, and he drove his pylons and he got he got some work under his belt, mostly for ourselves. And then he said, I want to start buying equipment. I want to buy a track hoe. I want to buy a barge. And so we did those things. And um, he started building piers, bulkheads and boathouses. And he has been now for, you know, since 2005. I think that's incredible. And he's got a good team that works with him. I, I think they're the best. Yes. We're we're lucky. We have a, a we have Mikey Barlow, who's on our team. We have, uh, you know, other people that are close to us that we've been working with for years. They're great. You have to have that, especially you know, with the pandemic and all. Whether you think about the turnover and the other challenges that people had, having that steady team with him, I know has been really really important. But along the way, you guys decided to get in the oyster aquaculture business and i see those cages behind you but we'll talk specifically about those cages in just a second but tell let's remind our, our listeners about sort of the evolution of french hermit and how that came about 
So you pointed to it earlier in our conversation about Mike Levin Oysters. So I've always called him the oyster evangelist. Even when we lived in Memphis, he would come down to the coast, either secure a sack by purchasing it from somebody that he knew was an oyster tonger or a dredger, and then taking those oysters back up to Memphis. And then um, he also, when we came back to the coast, started tonging and past Christian. He has a, a recreational tonging license. And so he'd go out there on the weekends with a small group of people who were interested in doing that. And they would tong up, I think it was a limit of three sacks they could get. Um, but he's always talked about oysters. He's always told the oyster story to everybody and shared oysters, you know, on the back of his truck, he'd flip his tailgate down crack open oysters and entertain whoever just happened to be walking up and shared the story about oysters. So it just made sense to go into the business. So ultimately you decided to take that big step. Tell me about that. So the DMR, Mississippi Department of Marine Resources, was offering a class. Um, I think that the class was funded by the Restore Act funds. And so it was to get 25 uh, participants in that would they would teach how to raise oysters and um, how to do that south of Deer Island, which is the oyster park, oyster aquaculture park, and they would set them up with. Um, I think we had 12,000 oysters ourselves to start, and so we raised them throughout that process. We learned about oyster biology. We learned about how other places were raising them using aquaculture, um, and then we had our own oysters. So we put down, um, you know, our cages in the water. We went out and flipped them. We worked the oysters. They didn't actually. Um, uh, belong, you know, they were given to us. And then once that we grew them out, then we had the right to sell them. We had to move them to a lease that we lease from the state uh, of Mississippi. So we lease the water column in the state of Mississippi. So once we raised these oysters as part of the class, then we could sell them and use that money to fund our, our entry into the market. That's how it was intended. And so I think the DMR really anticipated that the class would speak to oyster, you know, oyster tongers, oyster dredgers. And there were a few, but mostly it was couples uh, or individuals that kind of looked, they had, they were professionals. They were um, out there working in the market and they were interested in oyster aquaculture. So that was what the class ended up looking like. When we come back, we'll continue this conversation with Anita Arguelles and tell the story of what's the latest with French Hermit Oyster Company. Again, I had the opportunity to taste one of those, and, uh, and, and everyone I've talked to who has eaten one, they literally sing the praises of this amazing oyster, and we'll talk about why it's that way in just a second, but we'll continue the conversation after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. And now, it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews, brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Supertalk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Coastview. We have Anita Arguelles with her, her husband, Mike, and, and, uh, and she are significantly involved in oyster 
uh, aquaculture. Uh, the name of the company is French, uh, a French Hermit Oyster Company, and they have some amazing oysters. And when we went to break, we were talking about the. They went to some classes, and uh, it was it was funded, and they got to learn a lot about how to do this. It required them to lease some land off of Deer Island. For again, for those who are on Facebook and and YouTube, you can see behind Anita are some uh, essentially pens that are floating in the water just off the coast of Deer Island. We'll talk in a minute about why that particular area is a good area because of the flow of the water and salinity and all that, which is kind of critical to being able to grow oysters well. But uh, why don't you pick the story up from there? So you, you went to the classes and uh, you leased the land and you, you can pick it up from there. Sure. Uh, so that's what happened. We went to the classes. We, uh, in order to sell our oysters, we had to move to our lease. Um, lease leases are available, I believe, in one to five acre parcels. And uh, Mike and I leased one acre. And Mike says we can raise a million oysters on one acre. So that was plenty for us, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> and so we moved our oysters out to our lease. And I was uh, up in, um, I was actually calling on chefs in Jackson and in, I'll back up a little bit. So we raised these oysters and then Mike brought a few home after going out to the farm. And I, um, I was really excited about it. Didn't know really if this was a hobby or a business, you know, and he opened a few, set them out on a tray and we started eating them and it, they were delicious. Uh, so they were the best oyster I had ever eaten. I think the salinity was probably around 21 in the water at the time, which means you're going to have a, a pretty nice oyster, but they were clean. They were so clean. They were so perfect and they were the perfect size for me. So when Mike opens up a bunch of oysters and you have the big oysters and little oysters, I always head to the smaller oysters. You know, I want that one oyster bite. And these were perfect for that. And, and so I told Mike, I said, we really need to take this to the next step. And um, so I decided we were going to go ahead and start marketing our oysters, not just raising them and selling them to friends, but really getting out there and seeing if chefs like them. So yeah, we took yeah. We took uh, our first batch over to um, White Pillars and sat with Chef Austin Summerall and asked him to help us with a flavor profile. That's really important when you talk to chefs about your product is your flavor profile for oysters. It's, it's like wines. What, it, what, yeah. it, what distinguishes your oyster from, say, an oyster from uh, South Carolina? So that's what we were uh, trying to set. And so... Then I did get in my car, go up to Jackson, meet with some restaurateurs, some chefs, and then drove up to Snack Bar. And this was a day when we were harvesting. So I knew that we had farmers in the water and we're harvesting. And we got a, one of those phone calls you never really want to get. And, and I, I answered it. I said, hey. And they said, they're all dead. And I'm like, what, what do you mean they're all dead? What's dead? And they're like, all the oysters died. Uh, and so what had happened is uh, that first year, the Bonnie Carey spillway had opened and dumped in all that fresh water. And um, our oysters were doing fine on Monday and by Thursday, they were all dead. So it was a, it was traumatic. So let's pick we'll pick up that part of the story uh, in just a second. But let's go back to when you met with Chef Austin Summerall, who incidentally has been on the show several times. He's terrific. I, I love what he's done at White Pillars and I love his approach. Um, do, you know, again, I'm not a chef. I'm just a common guy who just enjoys a good oyster. 
But what I would describe, how I would describe it this, is that the consistency, and this must have something to do with the way they're grown in those cages, but the consistency was incredible, that from one to the other, they were very consistent. Second, they were meaty, but they, they weren't strong tasting. They were kind of moderate and salty and just had just wonderful flavor, but not too strong. I, I, that's the way I would describe it. Because some of, some oysters you bite into, and they're super strong, and you have to have a lot of sauce on them to kind of help you get past that strong part. You still get the flavor of an oyster, but you need a little help with a cracker and some hot sauce. I didn't feel the need for that with the French oyster. Uh, for, excuse me, the French Herman oyster. I felt like it was just really pleasing to the palate. How did Chef Austin describe it? So he, he, we looked at the meat, meat to shell ratio. These oysters are so plump. They just fill up every little crevice of that shell. And in fact, when you pull them away, you know, you've, you've uh, released the eye from the base of the shell and you pull them away, you can still see the little indention at the tip of the shell where it meets the hinge. So it's got like almost a little nose on the oyster, if you were to think about it that way. So it fills every little crevice of that shell. So it's plump. And like you said, that's what Chef Austin noticed. He also noticed that they had a sweet, kind of a creamy uh, texture to a flavor to them. And then he was saying in his flavor profile that he picked up hints of cucumber and lettuce. So fresh gardening, you know, if you think about how those fresh, your the oyster eats phytoplankton. So, you know, it, it would naturally have some of those tones in there, some of those flavors in there. So that's what he said. He, he said he picked up notes of cucumber and, uh, and lettuce and, and uh, of course, the sweet cream, kind of a buttery flavor. But you, know, you think about it, the, the way these things are grown in those cages that are suspended, that you would think that the, the nutritional value of whatever is in that layer of the water is going to be slightly different than what's going to be at the bottom. Right. So how do y'all describe that? I mean, do you know the specifics of that or just know that to be true? So we know that phytoplankton is encouraged to grow because of sunlight. So um, that's one of the things that we think is that um, when an oyster is down on the bottom, a wild oyster, and it's, you know, it's having to reach up to grow to get to some of that phytoplankton. So it's kind of growing up in a cluster uh, like that. When you take these oysters, they're individual uh, oysters spat on shell, and they are growing at the water column where um, aquaculture, oyster aquaculture occurs, they're closer to that food source. So that sun is coming down, it's not having to go as deep. And so there's more phytoplankton in there. And then we, you've, you've talked about this before, when you head out to Deer Island, they have all of that water flow between Deer Island and Katrina Reef. And so you get a nice flow that's coming through there. It's not just sitting somewhere. There are some oysters and there's some oysters in Florida that are um, from a particular place where the, the water doesn't flow the same. It's pretty calm in that area. Salinity remains really high and you get a really briny oyster. Um, salt is in these oysters. You can taste the salt. It, it varies, you know, and we can talk about that when we talk a little bit more about what oyster farmers face as far as challenges, but the salt salinity varies, but 21 for our oyster, 19, um, even down to probably 17, all that salinity is really gives you a nice 
um, flavor for your oyster. And what that salinity does is enhance the other flavors and let them come out. I think I may have mentioned this to you, but when my wife and uh, my son, Justin, and I went to Croatia, we saw uh, oyster farming all over there. I mean, you, and I think they were using suspended uh, um, uh, cages like you guys are using. How many cages do you have? So uh, well, I'll tell you just a little bit about what the way we're set up because we've evolved. You know, at first it was 25 of us that came out of the classes and we all have our leases and we're setting up and we're growing oysters. And then you gotta market your oysters. You really have to get them to chefs to engage. And, um, and what we found as French Hermit that we were not gonna be able to maintain a consistent supply of oysters. So we started recruiting other farmers. And, and right now we have, with the challenges over the last three years, we have eight of us that are out there farming together as French hermits. So it's not just Mike and I anymore. It's, um, you know, it's a family of farmers. And since we're all really close, our lease net, you know, bumps up to your lease, who bumps up to their lease. So we're out there, sometimes maybe, maybe three or four of us are out there working our oysters at the same time. Um, Mike and I have about 50 cages total. Uh, for our farm, but all the other farmers have a bunch of cages too. And that's what you see in the background behind me. So pretty low profile cages uh, out there floating. And they're in lines. Usually we set them up to their 10 cages per line. Yeah. Could be nine, but <clears throat> okay. Times 10. You mentioned, okay, so the Bonnicary Spillway was opened. It finally sort of, that freshwater made its way over to your oysters. You probably felt like, oh my gosh, I'm going to, we, we might need to pack it in. But you didn't. You were very resilient. You, d you figured out a way to maintain and go forward. Tell us about that. So when we were trying to decide how we were going to talk about ourselves here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast as oyster farmers, we could, in, in other parts of the country, they call themselves growers. And so, um, you know, you're not nearly as connected to a grower as you are a farmer. And so we thought calling ourselves farmers would at least know the, cha would at least allude to the challenges that farmers face. Anita, why don't we do this? We'll, we'll pick it up right there on the other side. But this is Anita Arguelles. Her husband and her work uh, on uh, oyster aquaculture. At French Hermit's the name of their oyster. We'll continue the conversation on the other side. We'll see you after this break. Also, listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to the final segment of the final show of 2021 as we approach 2022. Happy New Year to you. You know, it seems only, I don't know, fitting that I would have Anita Arguelles with me today because her and her husband, Mike, I've known them for an awful long time. 
But you know, this show is about salt of the earth, man. It's about it's about talking about the people who are at the ground level trying to create something really special, trying to create our competitive advantage. And when you hear their story and think about uh, what they've done with their aquaculture program, it's just really exciting. What in French hermit oyster is a great oyster, I might add. Um, I personally had the opportunity to enjoy them. Uh, so what, what we'll do, we got in this final segment, just a few minutes left. I want to I want to make sure I, we understand how you turn the corner after after the Bonacaric spillway. And then I want to talk about some specific distinctions you have gotten recently. But let's we'll come to that in a second. You turn the corner. Let's finish that story. So, yeah, so after the phone call, all the oysters, all the market size oysters were dead. We had purchased um, about 150,000 seed, uh, and a lot of other farmers had purchased seed too. So that was in the water too. But the seed, which are tiny, about a quarter of an inch, you know, they're babies, um, those were still alive. And so the DMR, um, I mean, they had to really do some quick work with the state of Alabama. And then we were allowed to move our babies, our baby seed over to Bayou La Battery for a while for safe harbor. So uh, for about six months, Mike and I were going back and forth to Bayou La Battery and tending our seed. Uh, and so we worked over there and grew, grew them. And then when we, they got to be uh, the water was quality was better here in Mississippi. We were able to bring that back. And so that's really what sustained us through that Bonnie Carey spillway. If we hadn't had any seed, we would probably still be in the oyster business, but it would have been, um, we would have had to stop, kind of regroup and think about what we wanted to do next. Well, you were able to sustain it. And business, business has been really good for you guys. I mean, despite hurricane challenges along the way and the things you've had to deal with, You've really, you've really stood the test, and uh, and business has been really good for you, hasn't it? It has been. We've been really excited, and and it's been good for our farmers too. So right now we have, we have a hard time keeping up with the number of orders and oysters that we have, and so thank goodness we have eight of us working together. Um, that helps a lot. We are able to ship oysters almost every week, and, and that's important for our chefs. Yeah. And so when you look at it just as a, just from a pure business point of view, is it a good business? Um, I think that we would say the first three years that we've been in the oyster business have been very challenging. Um, but Mike would say he's very optimistic about the business and the industry, especially here in Memphis. He loves it. And he thinks that we have seen the worst. In other words, we've been put through major hurricanes, low salinities, Bonnie Carey spillway. So uh, he thinks we're primed and ready for just a little break in the weather, and we'll be uh, going crazy with oysters. Tell us about the special magazine distinction you just got. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, we got a notice this week that we were uh, listed in Garden Guns top 35 Southern oysters. So French Hermit is there along with some really big oyster companies and uh, we're excited. Mississippi's Oyster is there and we're excited to be a part of that. That is a significant magazine, I might add. It's very it significant. It is. And a lot of chancery, gardening gun, a lot of folks uh, like Brian Ratchley and great, great team on the Northeast Coast that have embraced the Southern Oyster um, have helped put this all together. So we're thrilled to be a part of it. How fortunate for us. Do you see your business expanding now, Anita? 
I do. I see us getting more farmers and more distributors. So we need more farmers in order to get more distributors. And as that we've got some farmers that are coming off the training field from the last class uh, through the DMR program, and we're recruiting farmers uh, to make us all, you know, bigger and better, so we can have more oysters go into more places. Right now, we're in seven states, so we ship oysters wow. to seven states. Yeah, that, that's incredible. I bet the BMR is just thrilled the way this is this has turned out. Well, I think they they've been like the farmer. They've you know we've had setbacks and we've had advances, one step forward, two steps back. But um, it's a great program. They have done a great job putting the program together. We are very proud of our affiliation with the Mississippi Department of Marine Resources. They're a great partner, along with USM's Thad Cochran Marine Aquaculture Center. They're a great partner. So business is good for all the farmers going to seven states often. Do you guys kind of keep a sack for yourselves? Um, we don't keep as many of them as we used to. <laughs> we need to sell them. <laughs> so, um, I have oysters in my refrigerator probably twice a month, maybe. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, that's lucky. I'm lucky I get to eat oysters twice a month. And then um, when we go out on the boat, you know, Ricky, you said this too, uh, we can crack an oyster and they're so good. I don't need a cracker and sauce. I just slurp them off the shell. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, actually, if you haven't eaten an oyster before, maybe you have and maybe you didn't like the experience. It might be good. might be a good thing to go try it again with a French oyster, French hermit oyster. I think you'll be glad you did. Anyway, uh, Nita, happy new year to you guys. Tell Mike I said hello and uh, congratulations on your success and on your continued success. And uh, hope you all have a great year. Thank you, Ricky. Thanks for having us today. We had great fun. You bet. You bet. This has been Anita Arguelles, and uh, we'll see you on the other side of this new year. We'll see you later. Take care. Bye-bye. Follow Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.